Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. For this, uh, what today means it's the start of our official start of our new message series, and this year our theme has been reset, and it's that idea of resetting around who our identity, who, we, who are we in Christ as the body of Christ, and then our calling. What, what has he called us to do? And the hope is, as we get clarity on who we are, what he's called us to do, then we'll be passionate to live it out. Well, today we're, we're uh, drilling down into that one aspect of that, and that is the, our primary calling and vocation in life, which is to live a life of worship. And that God would just stoke in us a passion, a renewed passion to live our lives in worship to him. And so what's that look like and, and how do we do that? And our text will take us into that today. Today, it's uh, Actually, we'll be in Romans 12, but I love the way Peter describes this calling. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, or uh, verse 9, where he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so today we're, uh, the, the, the prayer is that God would just restoke in us a passion to worship him. Wednesday morning this past week was, man, it was a great morning. I had a cup full of coffee, good time with the Lord over uh, over that coffee, Tam was sitting right over here. We connected, talked, got the day started. Jesse, our daughter, sent her off to, to uh, Purdue that morning. I threw all my stuff into the, my, my car, the, I call it the Ferocus, the Focus, and uh, hopped in the driver's seat to go, cranked the key, and here's what I heard. Err, err, err. Click. Battery's gone. The, the get up and go that normally characterizes my Ferocus to start the day had it got up and left. And, and I thought, you know, how fitting for often us as well. Have, have you had, did you have a little bit of that this past week? Your get up and go, got up and left. Cold temperatures, start of the new year is, is exciting, but it's also challenging. And I, then I thought about our spiritual state and just often how, you know, it ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Times when we're so excited to go live fully devoted for Christ and other times when our devotion to Him it's lagging and not where we would, we would want it to be. And so what do we do in those moments? Well, thankfully I had my mountain bike was hanging on the wall. Grabbed that, grabbed a backpack. AutoZone was just right down the road. So I biked down to AutoZone, was, uh, bought a battery, and it was up and rolling in about 30-minute pit stop. It was good. But you know, the thought hit me as I was biking back home with that battery on my back. Romans 12 is a lot like that battery. For the soul, packed with truth that, that ignites us to live a life of worship. And so over the next today and the next two weeks, we are going to, and I, I love this picture, we're going to pop the hood of our soul, we're going to install, clunk the battery of Romans 12 into our thinking and in our, our, uh, our spiritual life, connect the cables, and we're going to go hard after Christ, all right? Does that sound good? And I would encourage you on your own to, to, uh, you can soak in this text. It is so good. But we'll go ahead and read it, and then we'll break it down. 
verses, uh, we'll, we'll just cover verses 1 and 2 this morning, but it says this, therefore, and whenever you see that word therefore, you say, what's it therefore? It's pointing back, but therefore I urge you. Paul's writing and he's saying, okay, this is what I'm calling you to, brothers and sisters, faith family, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so the challenge of the day, if you could put it in a phrase, is simply this. It's to live a life of worship. To wake up each new day and live our lives in worship to our God. The word that, that captures this, or you could sum it up in one word, would be doxology. And it's that idea of worship is not a part of our life, but it's all of our life, all my life. Everything that I do say, think, it's all for him, and it's all worship. To which we say, how? how do, like, what's this look like, and how do we do this? And that's where this text is so helpful. It informs us with five practices to, to implement into our everyday lives that lead us into a life of worship. Five core practices that will mark the life of a worshiper. So we'll walk through these five practices that will help worship become a passion for us and help us live a life of worship that's pleasing to our Lord. The first one is, there in verse 1, it's this, never lose sight of God's mercy. Notice right at the start, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So he's saying, okay, what I'm about to say hinges on everything that I just said. And if you know Romans, it's 11 chapters of he is talking us through the mercy of God poured out to us in our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And when he gets to this point, Romans 12, it's like the summit of a mountain that he's been building, the summit of God's grace poured out to us. And you go back to chapter 1, and Paul is just celebrating the reality. He's given his life to this gospel, this good news, that, that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. And that invitation is open today. If you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, the way to be right with God and live forever with Him is through faith in Christ. And, and it's that faith that believes and then trusts, um, trusts fully, accepts this as our, as our own. And then he goes uh, chapter 1 into chapter, second part of chapter 1 and, and into 2. You feel like you're sitting in a, a courtroom and guilty is the verdict. As, and it is true that he explains that we have all sinned against God. God's given us evidence of his existence through his creation and other things. And yet we've worshipped the create, creation and we do our will versus do his will and worship the creator. And we deserve the wrath of God, the judgment of God. And it's, it's sobering. You just see the, read through those texts and leaves you saying, okay, where's my hope? And then we come to that sweet truth in chapter 3. Where, in fact, I'll go ahead and just read this. It's so good. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 sums it up. He says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely, meaning 
Justified means declared righteous. God declares us righteous freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. So when we trust Him by faith, God declares us forever right in His eyes. He did this to demonstrate His own righteousness because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be the be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And so there we discover that we are not saved because of what we do, but because of what Christ did for us. And as we trust him, we receive this gift of a right relationship with God. And, and then we come to Romans 5, 6, and where we see what, when God sent Jesus to die for us, it was while we were still sinners. And we see his love just displayed in this. Romans 6 to 8, he helps us understand, okay, now coming to faith in Christ, we are no longer in bondage to the devil's sin and, and the ways of this world. We have a new capacity to, uh, and he calls us to reckon ourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus and follow him. And then chapter 8, we see life uh, teaches us how we live by the Spirit of God and um, the power of the Spirit to, to propel us. And then chapters 9 to 11, we see God's sovereign choice and salvation, which brings Paul to this uh, song of praise at the end of chapter 11, verse 33. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or, or been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Never lose sight of the mercy of God is the calling. We say, why? Because everything that God will call us to do in chapters 12 and following, really every practical application flows out of the mercy that he has had on us. I love the way A.W. Tozer says it when we, we lose sight of the majesty of God's mercy over us. He says, a low view of God is the cause of a thousand lesser evils, and a high view of God is the cure of 10,000 temporal problems. So the calling here at the start is, how do we live a life of worship every day? Hop on that gondola and summit the mountain of God's mercy and look out over the ways that he has poured out his mercies. Jeremiah says, every morning your mercies are new, past, present, and future. Last week I mentioned we had a bucket list moment going, getting to go ski a, a mountain. And one of the prayers that I just kept praying throughout that time was, Lord, help me not forget how beautiful this is. And there was one scene on day one where we were at the top of this mountain and there, it was a weird tension. I wanted to and just totally embrace the thrill of flying down this slope and keep my eyes down, but I could not quit looking up because the scene was so beautiful. And here, here's a picture of it. And um, as I look out over those mountains, I just picture your spiritual life. This is snow and mountains. How much greater is the mercy of God over your life and my life? And I love the picture of these signs. Like every one of us is going to go off this week into a different direction. We're going to go ski a different life mission. And yet as we go, here God is saying, okay, let your life be worship. 
But never lose sight of the panoramic beauty of my mercy over you that is past, present, and will stretch into the future in ways that that we don't even know. Never lose sight of his mercy. Amen? So I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if we could each come share, like, here's how God has had mercy over my life. Each of us have a story of uh, salvation, hopefully, and a story of his mercy to continue on. This week at staff meeting, Lindsay, Edward, Lindsay uh, Stewart was like, um, when Mitch and Lydia Delamarter turned in their membership forms this past week, so I read those, their faith story, and was crying. So I was like, all right, I'm braced up. I'm not going to cry. I hadn't read them yet. That afternoon, I went to read them. Tear ducts started leaking, and I'll share Lydia's when they officially joined. We welcome them into membership, but I thought it'd be good just to get a glimpse of God's mercy by sharing Mitch's. He says, before becoming a Christian, my life was, a, was, a, was that of a very typical cultural Christian. I grew up going to church. My family and extended family were Christians, etc., and I thought being a Christian meant living a virtuous life and working hard. I hadn't made any decision to follow Jesus because I didn't enjoy the cultural Christian life I grew grew up in. I just tried to fit in among Christians and stay out of trouble with my family. Parentheses, just a note, God had put so many faithful people in my life who would reflect his love to me as I grew up, my family, friends, and church staff. At the time, I did not appreciate it. Looking back now, he reminds me of how long he has been pursuing me despite my hard heart. When I began my education at Purdue in 2015, I met a friend, Merle. We had many times where, we, where my works-based ideas of Christianity were challenged. He helped me understand the gospel. It was at this point I realized the weight of my sin, my need for a Savior, and I saw for the first time a glimpse of the greatness of God's love for me. Since following Jesus, my life has changed for the better. I know there is hope despite any circumstance. I know that I am perfectly loved despite how sinful and evil my heart is. The gifts from God are beautiful. The deep connection with my wife, the encouraging constructive friendships with brothers and sisters in Christ, and having seen God transform my hard heart in many ways are just to name a few. Isn't that a great picture of of standing at the summit and looking out over the mercy of God. May we see it, and may, we, may his mercy move us to worship. Second practice we see there is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, True worship is more than just coming into this place and once a week and singing songs and praising God and thanking Him. True worship is offering our entire being, our lives, our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him. Day by day, moment by moment, saying, God, I am all yours. You stop and think about it. You know, our body, specifically, it's a gift from him, isn't it? Everybody take a look at your hands real quick and just marvel at like how God put your hands together. And that fingerprint is yours, evidently, right? Isn't it true there's only one fingerprint like yours? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Why did God give you this, this set of hands in your body? Why? It's from him. It's 
worship. Remember, Jesus says, a body you have prepared for me that I might do your will. It's worship. So, all right, can we all take a breath together? Deep breath, it's good for the soul. Who, who just gave us that breath, that capacity? It's him. His breath is ours, gift from him. Everybody, pulse still going? Can we check? Quick pulse check. Every heartbeat, a gift from him. And then to think that he promises these bodies which are decaying and will eventually hit the grave, he promises to resurrect and to glorify. So, when he says, offer your body as a living sacrifice, this is your reasonable or logical act of worship, what makes it logical? It's all from him, isn't it? <laughs> What's so cool is, he is pleased when we can bring him delight and we experience joy when we offer this body back to him. I love the picture of every Sunday we gather to really re-surrender what's already his, but what he has given us. Lord, here's my body, here's my life. It is a living sacrifice. The other neat thing about this calling of worship and what it does for our lives is it instills our ordinary, what, what can sometimes feel like mundane moments of life with meaning and purpose and significance. You know, sometimes we think, man, when I get my education and get that sweet spot, that job, 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 and then finally hit the real job, then, you know, I'm going to do what God called me to do. And, but when is God most pleased? And what is true success? It's, it's taking every moment of our existence, from the time we're just a kid, even as we play, giving our play as worship to God, to... Uh, education, that painful moment in algebra when you're wondering how's this ever going to work in life, offering that to God, to those I know some moms out there may be thinking, man, I'm just cleaning messes all day long. Is there any significance to that? That is worship pleasing to God, living sacrifice to the moments that we do get the jobs and we're offering our vocations to him. But here's the cool thing, guys. When we're laying in our deathbed waiting to go to heaven, waiting for our last breath, even in those moments of seeming meaningless waiting room moments of life, we can turn that into a worship that's glorifying to God. It has significance, every breath for his glory. Isn't that neat? As we live this out. So the igniting vision is, what if we all walk out of this place um, offering our bodies as living sacrifices to God? We are taking we are his temple, worshiping. We become mobile worship units out into this world, out into our community. So what happens when the church leaves the building? The world goes to church, right? What happens when the church leaves the building as living sacrifices, living to worship him? The watching world goes to church. They see worship in motion. Isn't that a, a cool picture? And we are witnesses for the Lord of his love and, and his glory. So the question today, am I offering my body as a living sacrifice? Are you offering your body as a living sacrifice? And a great way to start this new year is just to re-surrender our bodies to him. The third practice that helps us live a life of worship is this, don't conform to the pattern of this world. We see this in verse 2, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the quote that says, the problem with a living sacrifice 
is it keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> and one of the toughest temptations is we go out into our Monday routine, and, and here you have people who may not know Christ. The world represents those who don't know Christ, who don't have the same values, same attitudes, same actions. And we allow the world system or a culture to um, cause us to conform to, to uh, what they're pursuing and what they value rather than keeping our eyes fixed on what the Lord calls us to value and pursue. And so here he's, he's warning us. He, uh, William Barclay translates the text this way, do not shape your lives with the fleeting fashions, to meet the fleeting fashions of this world. Isn't that good? So he says, don't shape your life to meet the fleeting fashions. Like, it's so temporary. Our culture and all that, um, live for what's eternal. John gets specific in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh. So these are um, pursuing pleasure apart from the will of God. Uh, and then the lust of the eyes, so this is that whole idea of uh, whatever I see, I want it, materialism, possessions, stuff, living to get that, and then the pride of life, so this is that uh, satisfying ego apart from God, or living self-centered rather than um, God-centered and, and seeking to, to be a blessing to those around us, so pursuing status and position and those types of things. These things come um, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So a great question to ask is, what, in what ways am I conforming to the pattern of this world? And then the fourth practice that, that it's a call to action and helps us live a life of worship. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We see there, second part of, this verse, uh, verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, as you think about this, I, I lo- it, this practice just explodes with hope. God's intention for us when we come to faith in Christ is not behavior modification, not like we would be good people or be able to do right things. It's soul transformation. And I love, it's the word metamorphosis. He's saying, um, be transformed. It's something he's going to do to us. It's passive as we allow him. But so how can I be transformed? And it's by the renewing of our mind. It's it's replacing the lies of the enemy and, and the lies that we tend to believe with the truth of his word. And as we consume his word and allow, renew our thinking, allow his word to renew our mind so that we're thinking like Christ, it leads to, right action and right emotion and or healthy emotions and isn't that awesome as we uh, offer our bodies to him we resist the temptation to conform and then we uh, we allow him to transform us by the renewing of our mind then we can discern his will and live a life that's pleasing to him this is where it gets super practical in your the chair in, in front of you there should be one of these sheets and this is our what we call our uh reading challenge for the year. And so today is the official launch day for this. I'm sure you have your own reading plans and whatever, and that's awesome, but encourage you to take a peek at this. It starts with my one word and verse, and the idea there is what, what is one word, pick a word prayerfully, where you sense God at work in your life, changing you to be like Christ. One word that's aimed at transformation, soul transformation. So 
and then anchor that in a verse. So this week, actually, I had, it was Friday, a friend of mine texted me and said, hey, I got my one word, and it's, it was transform, and it came right out of this text that we're reading this morning, and another text. So he's, it's neat, because now that's going to help him focus throughout the year, praying over that. Also, as a brother in Christ, I can check in with him and like, hey, man, how's it going with your one word? And it pumps me up just seeing him, hear him say that, and, and uh, and then also the text, he's got those, he put the verse, uh, taped it to his computer screen. And so it can be a focus throughout the year. So what, what other, uh, maybe thinking, okay, where, where do I begin with that? The fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5 are a great place. 1 Corinthians 13, the descriptive words of love. When we were helping Chad and Laura move, they had on their fridge like 20 plus attributes of God. And I thought, man, that'd be a good one word where you just focus on one quality of who God is. Maybe it's... Uh, one way you're sensing God calling you to serve and you just want to get better at that and so you pick a word. I, um, the sky's the limit for that. But then under we have our weekly Bible reading and so 52 readings, these are aimed specifically around our theme for the year, helping us see our who we are as the church and then our calling as the church. And so encourage you to jump in, run with that. And then the monthly theme verse these are loosely synced up with our preaching series. So what we'll be going through on Sundays, these verses align, align in a way that hopefully keeps us focused and uh, will be helpful to you in your journey. A question to ask, am I being transformed by the renewing of my mind? Am I hungry for the Word of God? Am I consuming it and, uh, and allowing it to transform me? And then the fifth practice that helps us live a life of worship is Define success by doing his will. If you check it, the second part of this verse 2 says, okay, by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What a gift. And I don't know if you feel the hope-giving reality, but as you go out into this coming year, you can know the will of God for your life. It's this process. It's as we live a life of worship and as we understand his word, he shows us this is how we apply his word to our lives. And, and we can know, we can test. The word test there means to test something to discover its value. And man, when we understand the will of God through his word and we follow it, it is the path of life, path of peace. And then test and approve. We can be like, all right, this is the path to go. And it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. We can live our lives in a way that, that pleases him. The, uh, as we watch our Lord live, it becomes clear, doesn't it, that success for him was to do the will of the Father. And he leaves us an example, but I just love, at every turn, he's saying, okay, what's the Father's will here? Remember John chapter 4, he's talking with the, the lady at the well and telling her about himself, and disciples come back, and he's like, man, I... They're like, you need some food? Aren't you hungry? And he's like, nope, I got food that you know nothing about. And they're like, did somebody give him lunch? And he's like, no, my food is to do the will of the Father. It's what drove him. It was his passion. Love it how he teaches us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's looking at the cross, Father, not my will, but yours be done. You look at the life of Christ, and from a human vantage point up until the cross, you would say, this guy really... He didn't accomplish a lot, didn't travel a lot, wrote, wrote no books, and there's, um, you know, a carpenter professionally, not someone you'd look at and say, wow, that was impressive. 
But did he care about any of that? (laughs) He didn't care. Why? Success from him was one thing. It was to accomplish the will of the Father because that is success. And in this world, we, we set up all these ways of measuring success for each other. But as a Christian, there is one success, and that is hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that may be taking a the lowest of positions, but living faithfully for our Lord. And if we are faithful to his will, that is a win. And as we follow him and live a life of worship, may this be how we define success. The question, am I seeking his will above my own? So you say, okay, what's that look like? And there's some ways, sometimes when his will, we, we have to pray for wisdom, and we're not quite sure what it is, but most of the time, his will is pretty clear, and it's pretty concrete, and as a church family, there are five very clear habits we see in the life of Jesus that we just challenge each other every year, and this is where the training plan comes into play, the other side of this sheet. We know that God wants us to live a life of worship, reach, connect, grow, serve, and five habits that go with that. Worship is committing to gather with the, the body of Christ to encourage each other and and uh, worship our Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, um, we, we're called to that. And so would you, we left a little blank here for you to fill out your worship goal. Like um, It's easy to get out of the habit or get out of the routine. And, and I think most of I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys have been faithful. And I know we have a group of about 70 every week gathering, us, gathering with us online. And thank you guys due to health concerns. You, um, you, but you continue to gather and just encourage us in that. Um, reach, we have uh, the, the ideas that we're all reaching those around us, but specifically we're praying for one person who may not know Christ. And so the blank there is an opportunity to put the name of that person or people and just continue to pray for them throughout the year. Connect. Um, God calls us to grow in our love for each other and do life together. And one way we do that as a church is small group. And so listing the names of your small group members or others and just praying for them. Grow. Um, to grow in my faith by meeting daily with God through Bible reading and prayer. And so that habit that we see in the life of Jesus, we're called to, to meet in prayer reading. So the, uh, underneath we say, this is when I'm committing to meet with God each day. And I just put the time, you know. This is going to be a sacred meeting. For me, it's 5, 5.30 in the morning, my first meeting. For you, it may be the last of the day. But just going ahead and jotting that down and then serve to grow in humility by serving in a ministry. And so this is my ministry for 2022, and jotting down the ministry or ministries that you just sense God leading you towards, and then you can, it's a great way to just, hey, it's, I got it right here. This is how I'm going to pursue the will of God in, in my everyday life. God created us and recreated us in Christ to live a life of worship. Say, how do we do that? What's that look like? And we see it here in this text. It is, uh, it's doxology, offering all of all of our life to him, but, but how do we do that? And these five core practices are so helpful. First is we, we must never lose sight of his mercy. And uh, then we literally offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. And then we uh, determine and decide and try to not let culture conform to, that, that it would conform us, but rather that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we get hungry for the word of God and Apply it to our lives. Learn it, live it, love it. And then we uh, make the will of God our win, our measure of success, doing his will, live to hear well done. Wednesday night, I was sharing with our men's group 
my one word for this past year was the word all. And it came out of Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And so trying to push devotion to him. And it's going to be a lifelong journey, I know, for me. But, but as I was early in the year, I was reading this. Uh, or I, as I was having my daily meetings with the Lord, he flipped the word on me. Or the word <laughs> changed in that I began to really see it. Connected, describing him, connected to him. And I saw he is the God of all grace. And then he is the God of all comfort. And he desires to give those who trust him all peace and all joy. And the, the text that finally the light bulb came on and I was like, all right, Lord, I, I, I hear what you're saying was Romans chapter 831 that says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? <laughs> and I was like, all right. I just sensed the Lord whispering, John, you want to give, you're wanting to give me your all. And that's a good thing. But may you never forget that your all will never come close to the all that I've given you. Because I gave you my all and given you my son. And it goes even more. I will give you all things graciously. Guys, this is our God. This is who has loved us. And when I basked in that reality, what's it move me to do and move us to do? Lord, here's my all. It's my joy. To give you my life, my body. Offer my body and my all as a living sacrifice. Amen? Amen. And so this year, may it be a year of worship as we go out in response to his grace poured out on us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word this morning, Father. And just the way that this text in Romans 12 is a, just a fresh energy to our soul to live a life of worship. Lord, I thank you for each person here today and just wherever we may be in our faith journey, I pray that you would empower us and, and help us to put this into play. Lord, help us to just take the gondola up each morning, each day we begin and look out on your mercies which are new, which are immeasurable. Lord, help us to live surrendered to you and Forgive us for the times that we, we failed in that. Help us not conform to the, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Lord, it's exciting to just picture we're going to be different people this time next year, and we pray that for your glory. And then, Lord, we pray that your will would be done. Help us, above all else, to live for your well done. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.